Hello again and welcome everybody. Thank you for joining us for the third of our seminars exploring the subject of word and letter, book and speech. I'm Lucy Barrett and I'll be hosting today along with Martin D and Richard. Today's presentation will last about 40 minutes during which attendees mics will be muted. The talk will be followed by a Q&A session when attendees may unmute themselves. It gives me enormous pleasure to welcome Todd Lawson. Todd is Professor Emeritus of Islamic Thought at the University of Toronto. He has published numerous books and articles, usually to do with the Quran and its interpretation. His most recent book, Intimacy and Ecstasy in Quran Commentary, is a study of the first major work by Saeed Ali Mohammed Shirazi, most widely known as the Bab. Currently, Todd is writing articles and doing continued research on the figure of Joseph in the Islamic intellectual and mystical tradition, with special interest in the way that the Quranic covenant may be associated with his story and the implications this might have for our current predicament. In addition, Todd is working on the topic of emotions in scripture, especially the Quran, and also a project on Islamic eschatology. Today, Todd will be exploring our theme of word and letter, book and speech, through his talk, Ibn Arabi's Alphabet of Prophets, Spirit and Form of the Fasus. Todd, please unmute yourself and begin your presentation and screen share when you're ready. Thank you. Thanks very much, Lucy. Lovely introduction. Uh, wonderful to be here and see everyone. Thank the society for inviting me, especially Stephen. And uh, it's such a terrific topic. Uh, it's been a tremendous pleasure to think about this and nothing else for the last couple of months. And uh, uh, so I'm grateful for that as well. So, <laughs> quite a bit of material, uh, and uh, I think the best thing is to just dive in and start. Right, Ibn Arabi's Alphabet of Prophets, Spirit and Form of the Jesus. So the, uh, the question, the title occurred to me for this talk because since I first encountered the Fasus, I uh, was much struck by the number 27 for the number of, of uh, chapters and wondered why it wasn't 25, the usual number of prophets, messengers in the Quran, or 28. And so I've spent the last little while trying to think about this a little bit. Before we get to that, I want to just give some background from the Quran to rehearse what everyone knows already, but I think it's never too much to, to demonstrate that Ibn Arabi came by his ideas quite honestly as a son of the Quran. So some of these verses will come in handy for later discussion. The approach is to the Fasus and to Ibn Arabi's writings in general is uh, what they have to say about 
not so much God, but what they have to say about humanity. Well, God, of course, is not absent from the discussion. And so I want to begin with a, just a brief rehearsal of what I take to be the, some of the main verses speaking about the Quranic gospel of humanity, if you like. So all, all things are created from the same source, as it says here, and they're all made from water, as the Quran famously says in this particular verse, 2130. We made out of water every living thing. Will they not then at least begin to believe? And then in the same vein, humanity is created from a single soul. This is a very famous and beloved verse from the Quran. Mankind, fear your Lord, who created you of a single soul and from it created its mate. And from the pair of them scattered abroad many men and women. And fear God by whom you demand one of another and the relations. And surely God ever watches over you. The theme of oneness, of course, is deeply Quranic. Had thy sustainer so willed, he could surely have made all mankind one single community. But... He willed it otherwise, and so they are in different communities. Obviously, these are uh, these translations are are open to discussion, and there are many different translations, as we all know. And you could spend a long time speaking about a single word, but we won't do that today. And among his wonders is the creation of the heavens and the earth, and the diversity of your tongues and colors, for in this behold, there are messages indeed for all who are possessed of true knowledge. Remarkable verse, it's very, very remarkable. Then human variation is itself a source of knowledge and if you like enlightenment, a word that may be repeated further on. O mankind, behold, we have created, created you all out of a male and a female and have made you into nations and tribes so that you might come to know one another. Verily, the noblest of you in the sight of God is the one who is most deeply conscious of him. Behold, God is all-knowing, all-aware. This is a response, of course, uh, to the earlier verse stating that God had wanted to, he could have made everyone a single community. And here we have the reason why he willed otherwise, so that we could get to know one another with this particularly precise Arabic word up here, which indicates that this gifting to know is very much a mutual operation. It's not one person doing knowledge on another person. <laughs> it's two different people getting to know each other simultaneously. It's, a, it's extremely, if you like, postmodern for seventh century Arabia. All humanity has received re revelation, equally postmodern, if you like. 
Now, every community has had an apostle. Every community has had an apostle. And only after their apostle has appeared and delivered his message is judgment passed on them in all equity, the fist. And never are they wrong. And never have we sent forth any apostle otherwise than with a message in his own people's language so that he might make the truth clear unto them. It's very, very clear, very, very logical, very methodologically sound, if you like. Now this dance between unity and diversity has its source in the Quran and the birth of the Day of the Covenant, which is, uh, in a sense, the center point of the Quran and the center point of everything else, if you like. Recall when thy Lord, sustainer, brought forth their offspring from the loins of the children of Adam, called upon them to bear witness about themselves or against themselves. Am I not your sustainer? To which they all answered, Yea, indeed, do we bear witness thereto. Of this we remind you, lest you say on the day of resurrection, Verily, we were unaware of this. Or lest you say, Verily, it was but our forefathers who in times gone by began to ascribe divinity to other beings beside God. And we were but their late offspring. Wilt thou then destroy us for the doings of those inventors of falsehoods? This is a beautiful, beautiful verse, as everyone knows, much beloved by mystical tradition, but not only the mystical tradition. It's informed and ha had a strong influence on Islamic historiography and arts and letters from the beginning. This scenario, which is generally understood to include all humanity that would ever live, uh, the interview, the Trist, as the, as the Sufis say, occurred in a time beyond place and beyond time, in a spiritual realm, which is uh, invulnerable to the passage of time and history. And it is, from that point of view, also the most real event in the, if you like, history of humanity. And the point here, I might just go a little further. The point here is not really to talk about how wonderful God is. The point here is to hold up an image of the unity of humanity. And if we could just go back to the 7th century Arabia and a little later, 8th century Syria and, and then Iraq, nothing could probably be further from the imaginative capacity of the humanity of that time and place than seeing all, all human beings together in harmony and peace in one place. So this would have been a somewhat striking image with powerful uh, iconic uh, uh, energy. It's, uh, it is a it's tremendous verse. And the, the question is, raised, you know, well, who are these people? Who are these beings? And uh, the, the Quran indicates 
Surah 30 that, well, whoever they were, they were all somewhat pure form in the, in the Fitrati condition. This verse comes of, uh, and so set thy face steadfastly toward the pure faith, the Hanif religion, pure monotheism it's sometimes understood it, the natural state which God has instilled into man. Not to allow any change to corrupt what God has thus created. This is the ever true faith, but most people know not. And there's the famous hadith that is frequently brought up when this verse is mentioned. The prophet said, no child is born except according to the fitra. And then it's his parents who make him a, a Jewish, Christian, or Magian. So as an animal produces a perfect young animal, you see any part of its body uh, damaged or amputated. Okay, so uh, with the and the idea of humanity is expanded beyond what it had heretofore been. It is no longer merely linguistic, no longer <laughs> racial, no longer tribal, no longer ethnic. All humanity shares the same beginning and uh, therefore the same epic history and is on the same journey from creation to revelation to resurrection, if you like. And perhaps most importantly, especially for our time, there are no chosen people. Humanity as an entity has been chosen. Not any particular part of humanity has been chosen. So this, is, this seems to be an irrefutable and very clear Quranic, Quranic position. How did this come to be? How, how can the Quran be so, so topical, so contemporary, and so on? Well, because of the time and place that it was revealed, this is the famous timeline from Hodgson's Venture of Islam, which we focus down here in this very important axial aid, where, I mean, we, I'm doing this a little bit because it's important to uh, think about history, even though time may be an illusion, history unfortunately is not. So it, it behooves us to, to have a look and to place this discourse in its sitzum leben, as they say. So the axial age here is a very important period defined by the philosopher uh, Karl Jaspers in the late 40s as a time when numerous very remarkable thinkers arose, especially in the uh, Asian and, and, and Eastern Mediterranean area. But a, a couple of things happened during that time that were important for the rise and development and spread of Islam and for the tone of its, its message, its da'wah. And that is this late antique cosmopolitanism was burgeoning in the seventh century. There were people of all stripes. The Quran may be read as a kind of catalog of these human types, if you like. And the Axial Age also saw the time when literacy ceased to be the monopoly of a priestly class and began to percolate outside of those uh, walls to uh, first, of course, to merchants, but then other, others began to uh, become literate. And so it makes very historical sense that the theophany of the seventh century 
would be in a literary form directly. Also, Jaspers points out that it's at this time, this axial age, which begins 8 BC, after the agrarian age, and which Islam somehow is a product of, this axial age also consolidated and gave rise more more intensely to the idea of the individual. So this is this explains in some ways why we see in the Quran this deep, deep concern with humanity, uh, nas and insan, and it's humanity is spoken about on in so many different ways in the Quran. One conclusion that we can temporary conclusion, as all conclusions are, they tell us. Uh, one observation we can make is that humanity seems to be a distinct entity in the Quran. It's mentioned so many times. It is indeed a major theme of, of the book. It's not the Arabs, it's not the Persians, it's not the Christians. It is humanity as such, colored by this day of the covenant of a vast multiplicity and linguistic and tribal and so on. Humanity occurs as a, uh, if we use the metaphor of light, as a both as a wave and as a particle. It occurs as a, as a group or as a society and as an individual. And we see that the Quran is deeply concerned about both iterations of the human, the individual and the communal. Okay, so this brings us now to the Fasus. Thank you for your patience. I just wanted to set this up a little bit. I know that much of this is very well known to all of us. So in the Fasus, we have this continuing concern with humanity. In fact, uh, it wouldn't be possible to say that it's uh, as much about being human as anything else it is about. What are the rights, the prerogatives, the abilities, the pitfalls? What is the blessing and curse of being a human being? And it's, of course, a beautiful, beautiful book. I mean, the Arabic is, is uh, challenging many times, but the, the ideas are highly poetic uh, in the sense that they're uh, this harmony and rhythm of, 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 of thought uh, emerges from it. So the question arises again, why? Why 27 chapters? Why not 28? As we heard from Dr. Vasich's beautiful uh, uh, session a couple of weeks ago, 28 is, is a central number in the, uh, in the thought world of, of this time and place, this culture. It's a perfect number. It's, the, it's a number of totality. It's the number of the letters of the alphabet. And many, many other the stages of man, the stages of the moon. 28 is a, a central uh, numerical backdrop to the way in which people understood the world at the time. So what is with this decision on the part of uh, Ibn Arabi to have 27 chapters? And here they are. 
Well, in the first place, uh, the, the chapters are, yes, uh, 27. And the chapter headings are, are, the chapters are, as we all know, challenge our notion of sequence here and there. It starts with Adam and it ends with Muhammad. But in the, in the meantime, there are many chronological liberties taken with, with the sequence. Uh, this is one thing. And then there arises the uh, question, is how, is, how is it that, especially since these chapter headings, for example, Adam is associated with the wisdom of, of divinity, Ilahiya, and uh, or, or, or Seth is with Nafia. But it, when we look in the various chapters, we, we don't always find a, a, a deep interest in pursuing the way in which the wisdom is said to be uh, manifest in a particular prophetic reality. So it, there seems to be a little bit of, uh, not certainly not confusion, but a, a certain amount of innovation going on with uh, Ibn Arabi's chapter headings. And of course, they raise many questions. And, and uh, we have the beautiful article by uh, Chittik on the chapter headings, which gives us a hint at how, how seriously his followers and his early commentators, the, the scholastic commentators took, took these chapter headings. And uh, so they bear thinking about. And the thinking that comes up is that, well, one of the things that unites them all is that they're all in some degree or another in rhyming uh, form, that they, they, they rhyme with each other. They, the green letters here try to show how the, the rhyme goes through the two words, the divinity, Adam, Nafia with Sheath, uh, and so on. You, you see it here. We don't really want to go and read all of them, but it's pretty remarkable uh, that, that this rhyme is a, seems to be a very big part of his choice. I forgot to color Khaled in, I suppose. That's an ominous oversight. The, the, uh, the sounds are very much a part of the composition. And of course, for the, our time and place and for Ibn Arabi and his, his culture and his, his audience, sound and poetic sound and musical sound and rhyming sound is not mere ornamentation. It enhances meaning. The rhyme, the Quran itself, rhymes from beginning to end. Rhyme indicates a kind of conceptual event. Uh, which things are seen to be just, and if you uh, use a dirty word here, rational and understandable, then then the rhyme is part of this operation. So we we see here, but but even if we understand this part of the uh, chapter headings, it becomes difficult to, to equally understand how where the number twenty seven comes from. I mean. For me, it's, it's difficult. I don't know. It, I'm hoping somebody will have some information about this during the Q&A. But for the moment, I decided a long time ago to consider, think of them as letters. Uh, this might be conditioned by my own 
concern and knowledge of the writings of the Bab, who, as you may or may not know, began his 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 uh, um, ministry or his da'wa, his charisma, uh, when he was encountered by eighteen separate individuals, whom he called the Letters of the Living. So each one of these disciples or followers of the Bible is known as a letter. So I perhaps have imported that notion here into the uh, into looking at the Fasuls. But I mean, it's particularly uh, questionable since the word in the chapter headings is Kalima and not Harf, that we understand. But we also understand that those are precisely the kinds of ca categories that seem to dissolve in the general atmosphere of Ibn Arabi's thought, that, that a, a, a letter can become a word and a word can become a letter is not something terribly unusual or scandalous uh, in, in, in this thought world. So if we consider them alphabet, elements of the alphabet, it also helps us think about something else to do with the Fasus, that is, as a summary of, of Ibn Arabi's work, it is, of course, uh, very popular and extremely influential from the beginning until today. However, it does not represent uh, what, again, what Dr. Rasich uh, identified as a, a central element in Ibn Arabi's uh, work and thought, that is precisely letterism. There is, the word letter occurs not even 10 times in the pursuits. And there, there is no contemplation of individual letters. Uh, and, uh, and even the word point uh, is, is not to be found. So this, this is quite a departure from the form and spirit, if you like, of the Futahat and other, other writings where the deep concern with the way in which letters function and operate is, is very much part of the program. So it may be that if this intuition has any merit, that these are letters that, uh, that take the place of the letterism of the other works. Rather than having alphabetic letters, we now have these 27 letters. But they're letters with a difference because they're letters that do not express one simple sound, as we know from reading them, each one of these prophets is, uh, is uh, made up of many different types of spiritual attributes and tendencies and inclinations and achievements and failures. And so this is a, this is a, a new kind of letter with which to perhaps construct new kinds of words. But it raises the question again, why 27? Why does he leave, if they are letters, why not 28 to, to give the sense of completion and round out the, uh, the statement that he's making here? And then if it is true, what would be the likely candidates to assume the role of the 28th letter of Ibn Arabi's alphabet of prophets in the Fasus. 
So the, a number of possibilities are uh, uh, some more compelling than others uh, uh, suggest themselves. That emptiness itself or unanswered continuance, carrying on thinking about something is as important as anything else in the Sheikh's oeuvre uh, as, uh, as is presented, for example, by the word, uh, the important word and concept, Sarayan, which has to do with the circulation of divine, ceaseless circulation of divine energy throughout the cosmos and all things that are in it. So this is a continuing motion uh, which uh, which may be indicated here, and it's uh, Sarayan's companion, the famous point, which is the first thing that that circulates through all of creation. The point, as you know, has a, a, a huge role in the writings of Ibn Arabi as the beginning of everything, as the holy of holies. As as so so this might have presented itself as a as a possibility, the, the dynamic sort of uh, operation of this, this meeting of the point with the, with, the, with the Sarayan. It could be that he wishes to, for us, wishes us to think of the idea of Walaya, which is the classical uh, institution that follows prophethood and if, if it is Walaya that occupies the 28th place in this alphabet, then of course we immediately think, well, maybe he's, he's considering himself to be the 28th integer in this, in this list. Perhaps uh, an Arabi lover of the imagination that he is uh, and uh, uh, fear, if, theorizer of the imagination, perhaps it's imagination that, uh, that is here uh, indicated. One solution is that, as a matter of fact, you see by these books where I'm headed, it may be indeed that the 28th letter of Ibn Arabi's alphabet of prophets is meant to be thought of by his readership, but perhaps too early to mention the name, given the social, religious, political constraints of the time and place, to be none other than the mother of Jesus, Mary herself, who, as we all know, uh, is considered a prophet in especially the Andalusian school of uh, Tafsir, beginning with Ibn Hazm and continued by Qurtubi, apparently had no difficulty at all considering her a prophet. And Ibn Arabi himself, as, uh, as uh, Sashiko Murata told us in this beautiful book of hers, indeed was very forthright about uh, claiming her as a prophet, but indicated that she did not enjoy messengership. Perhaps this was all he could allow himself to say at such a time. But it seems clear that beginning with Korban and perhaps even earlier, that, the, that our thinking about Ibn Arabi has been wandering toward this idea of Mary, mother of Jesus, as a prophet. And, the, uh, and this would so solve the problem of 
who the 28th letter is. There's a slight problem of where exactly to put her in the sequence. But, uh, but since in fact, it is Muhammad revelation that leads us to th thinking of this way about Maryam, perhaps it, it is fitting that she come after Muhammad as the, uh, uh, well, as the, she, he gave birth to Maryam the prophet in the Islamic dispensation. These are, if that is the case, then, uh, uh, then we have a perfect number, the number 28. And we see, if we take the number in half, 14, we think of the Shi'i tradition where Fatima, the analog of Mary, in, uh, in that tradition, uh, Fatima, it is, it is no problem at all to give to Fatima all the same status and divinity that the prophet and the imams have. She is an equal bearer of Walaya, not Nabua necessarily, but Walaya. This is, this is still a, a, a pretty dramatic uh, position uh, in the context of gender relations of the time and place uh, over the last 1400 years. So this is the idea I, I wanted to share with everyone. And uh, I thank you for giving me the opportunity to do that. And uh, I think I've said more than enough. Thank you all. <laughs>